All right, let's talk about longevity for a second. Did you know that 75 to 100% of brain autopsies from Alzheimer's brain banks were found to have Lyme disease? Meaning 75 to 100% of people who died from Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative disease, when their brains were autopsied, they found the bacteria that is responsible for Lyme disease, known as Borrelia burgdorferi. And these findings are consistent across multiple brain banks and were even confirmed in a recent Harvard review. This makes a very strong case that Alzheimer's, dementia, perhaps to some degree Parkinson's, although there's a stronger pesticide connection there, and cognitive decline may be connected to the bacteria that causes Lyme disease and that bacteria more specifically getting into the brain. There's a lot of talk in the health and biohacking space about longevity. And so-and-so thinks they're going to live to 180, yet somehow looks old for their age. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just stating the obvious. And other people are suggesting molecules like NAD or NMN or practicing fasting to activate longevity pathways. There's even physicians that are talking about using drugs like rapamycin that are known to inhibit and suppress the immune system and how those are being used for longevity by dampening a growth pathway known as mTOR, which seems a little bit counterintuitive, how suppressing the immune system could actually make you live longer. I don't know. We'll see on that one. And this is great and all, but I think we need to kind of address the elephant in the room here. And that is that 80% of us, which means four out of every five people, are going to die from just one of three things, cancer, heart disease, or neurodegenerative disease, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. That means if you don't know what actually causes cancer, heart disease, neurodegenerative disease, how to test for it because your doctor doesn't, and how to get rid of them and bring the body back into balance, then the odds are you're going to be in that 80% of people dying from one of those three things. And in that case, the only thing we're really biohacking with all these longevity supplements and practices, it's our imagination. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just, I feel like we need to have this conversation and get it out in the open. So this is why I've created our Apex Longevity Code coaching program, where we test you for over 50 different types of cancer. We test you for Lyme disease, parasites, yeast and fungal infections that have been connected to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, cognitive decline, even brain fog and chronic fatigue. And we utilize gold standard labs to assess your cardiovascular and cerebrovascular risk factors, all in one fell swoop, giving you the peace of mind that comes with knowing exactly what's going on in your body and that you are minimizing your risk of the things that kill 80% of people. Again, cancer, heart disease, and neurodegenerative disease. I'll then customize you a program to give you complete control of your longevity and empower you to stay healthy for life. But we don't stop there. But wait, there's more. We'll also measure your biological age. That's different from your chronological age. Your biological age is how old you are at the cellular level and your rate of aging. And then tailor your biohacked game plan so you not only look and feel younger, but you are actually younger biologically at the cellular level by using leading edge tools and practices personalized and customized for you. This is for men over 30 who have more money than time, who want to increase both their lifespan 
and their health span and take control of their body, mind, future, and health. It's especially powerful if you want more energy, a better body, a sharper mind, deeper, more restful sleep, heightened libido, to look years younger, and to feel like you're truly firing on all cylinders. I'm only offering this to a few men who see the value in getting this handled and are in a position to start right away. To be clear, I don't practice medicine. More specifically, I don't examine, diagnose, treat, offer to treat, cure, or attempt to cure any physical or mental disease or disorder. I don't recommend or prescribe any medications or pharmaceutical drugs or recommend any changes in dosages of legally prescribed medications or drugs. The Western medical system has that stuff covered, and it would be illegal for anyone to engage in those practices without a medical license. I use science-based labs to gather data and to quantify your health and risk of all-cause mortality, then provide you with a personalized game plan to live better, longer. All of this so that you're in a better position than the vast majority of people who statistics show will end up dying from either cancer, heart disease, or neurodegenerative disease. So if you're interested in seeing if you're a fit for the Longevity Code coaching program, text your full name and the reason you'd like to be a part of it to 847-989-3743. You can also go to biohackercoaching.com and book a time to talk with myself or someone from my team. That number again is 847-989-3743. And the website is biohackercoaching.com. Thanks for your time. Lara Raybone, welcome to the Biohacking Secrets Show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for this conversation because we're going to be talking about sex and lovemaking and liberation in love and divine union and a, a number of concepts that our audience may or may not be familiar with. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, maybe you could give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So my backstory came from a recognition that I'd completely lost myself within a relationship. And so in that relationship, I was with him for maybe five years and I was constantly like putting him and his needs above my own. I didn't actually know how to connect to what it was that I needed. I really struggled with communication. And I kind of got to a point where I started to recognize that I was being attracted to other people. I was wanting to break free. I was wanting to travel the world and I wasn't content in the relationship and I hadn't been for a really long time. Um, I just didn't really see a way out at that time. And so, um, yeah, it just completely didn't know what made me happy, what lit me up. And it took me on this journey of recognizing that I didn't actually love myself. And I've always had this beautiful, deep desire for partnership, for a relationship before I entered into all of these realms, a relationship that was almost like, like a spiritual practice, right? A relationship that has the capacity to take you deeper within yourself. And so I kind of went on a a wild adventure in life, trying to, A, 
connect to that, but also be connect to myself and starting to get to know who I was and what I enjoyed. And that came through me putting myself in some really questionable situations. It was a lot of travel. Yes, beautiful. A lot of drugs, alcohol, like also recognizing at this point that I was trying to numb out of feeling the discomfort of not knowing who I was and not loving who I was. And then that took me on a journey and really true, like my, my lessons have always come through relationship. After each partnership, I find myself coming more deeply back into myself, which I think is such a powerful gift. And I actually made a list, you know, a list of the ideal man. And I wrote a list of like the man that I will marry is, and the woman that I am becoming is, and they completely mirrored each other. So that for me was a recognition of, I need to become this. I, if this is the woman that I'm becoming and this is what I'm seeking from a partner, how about I become that and I satiate this yearning, this longing, this desire to show up for myself in this way. And so that's pretty much what the journey has been. Multiple heartbreaks, but cracking open to deeper love within myself. Very cool. What that relationship that where you realized that you didn't necessarily love yourself and that you'd been putting him first. Mm -hmm. Can you paint a picture of what that looked like? I mean, what was what was your sexual relationship like? What were what were the energetic exchanges like? What were the ways that you not putting yourself first showed up in the relationship that was causing you pain? Yeah. Wow. That's such a good question. Um, so when I connect, like it was a long time ago, but when I was in that space, there was this feeling of emptiness. Like I was in physical space with him, but I didn't feel this connection. And whenever I would try to express that I wasn't happy or I, you know, I I was wanting something else or I was struggling like not feeling connected to him, he would shut me down. He would completely emotionally shut down. No, we're fine. I don't know what you're talking about. We don't need to do this. Like it was anything that I was trying to do. And and it was such an edge for me, like communicating this at that point, I was quaking in my boots. I was absolutely terrified to communicate, to upset him. And whether that was how I was feeling and me not feeling happy, I was terrified. It was crippling to actually express that. And I remember it was about two years actually before the relationship ended. I went on a trip with my family in Italy. And I remember I started, I think, reading Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus or something mm. like that. John Gray, we've... We've had him on the podcast. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember reading that and just having the, so many aha moments. And it was a moment that I realized, oh, okay, I don't think that this relationship is for me now. But it took me two years to build the courage to actually be able to speak it, to actually be able to end it because I was absolutely terrified of 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 hurting somebody else's feelings. But what I didn't realize at the time 
was that I wasn't honoring or owning any of my feelings. I didn't know how to connect or communicate, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now. And yes, you're partaking in this, like there's two of us in this relationship, but I'm not putting it on you. I'm just needing to express that this is what I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling in this moment. And it was terrifying. I remember like I would be like shaking. Mm. And was he physically abusive or did he just make you feel uncomfortable? Or was this something that you carried from your childhood where you didn't want to upset him? It was looking back and knowing what I know now, it was emotionally abusive. Like it was not ever physically abusive, but there was a lot of emotional manipulation. And I don't even think that he was aware of that. I think that it mm -hmm. was patterning from his parents. And also there's a, a, like a piece as well from my childhood of like the emotionally unavailable, like stressed out parents, not necessarily being able to connect to feelings in those moments where maybe you needed them. And so it was a pattern of mine as well that was, was deeply playing out. So uh, that childhood response within me was what was causing that crippling like fear to express what, Mm -hmm. what I was needing, what I was desiring, um, and also not wanting to be, to be shut down because it made me feel wrong for feeling what I was feeling. It made me feel like it wasn't okay to feel. And so I spent, oh my gosh, I spent my entire relationship trying to be the perfect housewife, like dressing immaculately, making beautiful meals, like pandering to him, like catering to him. We would always watch movies that he wanted to watch. And I was just feeding into this, like, love me, accept me. Like, I felt in that relationship, like, I had to earn love. Like, that was one of the deepest patterns that I've had to move through and work through. And this work is, hey, you get to be loved for who you are. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing that you have to do. You don't have to be this, like, perfect picture of a... Of whatever partner it is. And, and this is one of the patterns as well that I recognized was figuring out what each partner wanted from a woman and becoming that. Mm. And that became a complete betrayal of myself, of who mm. I was, because I was constantly trying to find ways to be loved, to be accepted, to, to crack the code, to unlock the love that I was desiring to receive. Mm -hmm. It also almost makes you like a human accessory rather yeah. than a partner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, and there was a point where I prided myself on that being like the trophy, trophy wife, being the perfect Mm -hmm. trophy wife but there was no connection in that because I couldn't even connect to who I was because I was continuously seeking outside of myself and trying to manipulate myself into these different contortions that would somehow get me the love that I was desiring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay cool and then can you take us through your journey a little bit and some of the insights like I understand that you were in this relationship and you were feeling a tremendous lack of connection Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to 
determine whether that lack of connection is the fact that he was maybe either emotionally unavailable or emotionally manipulative, or perhaps you guys had different sets of values, or perhaps it was just the fact that you were coming to the realization that you've been putting yourself second and not um, connecting with yourself, which makes it very difficult to connect with someone else. But then you said, okay, I got to get out of this. This isn't working. You went on this journey that involved alcohol and drugs and um, what else? And then when, yeah. what, what did you kind of discover? Of <laughs> you had yeah. your eat, pray, love moment and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, met your uh, Italian heartthrob. That... <laughs> you, know, you, you say that, but I really, I did have an eat, pray, love moment. <laughs> yeah. And I refer to it as my eat, pray, love moment. It was... Um, Standing in the the broken banks of the Lago de Argentina in Patagonia, and I was like sat there with my feet in the water. It was really cold. It was the first time I'd ever journaled or ever channeled anything, and I wrote out a load of affirmations. And I was like crying, and I was just begging to feel something. I was begging to just like I was like God. If you can hear me, if you're there, source spirit, like I need help because I feel so lost right now. Like mm-hmm. I feel so like empty, like I want to feel. And the next mm-hmm. day I ended up horseback riding through the broken banks of the Lago de Argentina through flocks of flamingos, like just with Holy no shit. saddle, like just, yeah, it was my, my, little moment of remembrance that there's like the divine and everything. And I cried the whole transfer, like on the, on the plane, I was just journaling with gratitude and feeling and crying. It was the first time I'd really let myself be with my feelings. I like it. I have, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and, and, and I think that we're, many of us are finding ourselves in situations where the first symptom that starts to present itself is a lack of feeling Mm. and I hypothesize, and it could not be the case, but I hypothesize that some of that has to do with how disconnected we've become from life and how much of our life experiences, you know, we're living in these concrete cell blocks and towers surrounded by artificial frequencies and, you know, or like the most life that is around us are other people that are also not feeling and confused and drinking fake water and eating fake food and all this shit. And like you have this moment where you're riding this giant, majestic animal, sharing, you know, one another's energetic fields, your hearts and your minds and everything and and, and the flamingos everywhere. And it's just all this abundance of life and nature around you. And we can start remembering what it's like to feel. And I think more and more, it's if, if, if we look at the life density in our experience, the amount of animals and plants and, and true interactions with God's creations, the, the more likely we are to feel and the more we expect to get what we, you know, the emotions and feelings from technology or inanimate objects, the more we're probably going to be journaling on what the fuck is wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there are so many simple ways that we can reconnect to that feeling of aliveness. But the first piece with, with anything like the portal is presence. The portal is presence. I remember I was, 
hiking Machu Picchu and my friend that I was with because I was my my mind was with an emotionally unavailable man again. I have and, to tell you the way that you start stories; these are great. Yeah. <laughs> it drops you right in. Oh You're God. like, there I was in Patagonia. My feet were in the water. <laughs> I was struggling I with a <laughs> yes, trying to fill a void of emptiness and a lack of feeling. Then there I was hiking Machu Picchu. These, I mean, drop right in. It's fantastic. All right, keep going. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I love it. I appreciate the reflection because I'm like, oh yeah, life has been really fucking good to me. Even in the depths of what I felt like was hell, like there have been so many beautiful moments and it's really nice to be able to share them. But um, I remember I was hiking Machu Picchu and my girlfriend that I was with, she traveled from Australia to, to come and do the hike with me and... I was so just like my head, my heart, everything was with this guy that I was like kind of seeing situationship, not healthy. Um, and she was like, wow, you're so unpresent. Like look around you. And I was like, holy shit. You're so right. Like, she was like, I get to see you once in a blue moon. Like you're surrounded by all of this nature and beauty. Like get off your phone, like come back. Mm -hmm. And so presence, like that was the moment where I was like, oh shit, like I need to really come back to, to presence. And this is also, this is the portal to everything. It's the portal to feeling. It's the portal to deepening and connection and love and relationship, intimacy. Like if you're not present with yourself, your heart, your partner's heart, like you're not connected to the feeling that is available beyond what we have conceived or what we preconceive is actually available. When you really drop into true presence with a person or even with yourself, there is so much that unlocks and there is so much power that unlocks through that, that then gives you the tools to navigate second by second and moment by moment and actually allow that natural flow to, to unfold into the unknown, which is part of the beauty of this life is actually not knowing and allowing yourself to be surprised and allowing that like childlike wonder and excitement. And like, you don't have to tell a child to like be in awe of a sunset or a sunrise. They just are. So it's something that's so natural within us that reconnecting to the beauty of an unfolding moment, whether it's like I said, within yourself, within your own expression, within friendships, within familial dynamics, or whether it's romantic relationships, I mean, it's really important. Presence is the key. Mm -hmm. And how do you cultivate that now? I, I went through a phase where uh, probably 15 years ago now, my family pointed out how much I was on my phone. I'd even pull the thing out like at dinners and and I realized it was a big problem and I had to go the complete opposite direction where I almost renounced my phone for a long time. Two years ago, I actually threw it in the woods and then went back to get it the next day using find my phone. And like that was a, a, a pretty good summation of like my relationship with it. I'm like, fuck this thing. And I'm like, no, wait, I need it. I'm not ready for that yet. You know, maybe I need like a two year plan to get to get rid of it. But um, I just removed Instagram today for for a while because I was 
becoming aware of how much time I was spending on there and how much like it brought me into an energetic state that in no way reflected what I was seeing with my eyes and experiencing in the real world with my heart. Um, so it just didn't feel authentic. And, and, and I was talking with a client before you and I got on about, he, he had his phone break and was describing how it was one of the best things that's happened to him in a long time. Now he got a new phone and he, he's like, I keep it in a drawer most of the time, like out of sight, out of mind. And my life is so much better. I'm so much more present. And I, I told him, I'm like, I'm going to start doing that as well. Like I keep mine in airplane mode a lot, but I'm like, I want it out of sight too. I'm going to mm -hmm. actually like go put it in a drawer because it, it, it does seem to be the single biggest thief of my consciousness and presence. So I'm curious when you came to this realization or had your friend, you know, whack you over the head with a two by four to help you come to that realization, like how do you now facilitate presence in your life? Well, I love that you just shared the, the example of the phone and Instagram, because I think it's something that everybody <laughs> experiences. And mm -hmm. the ironic thing with, with me is I'll notice I'll reach for my phone in moments where I'm seeking connection. And actually that is the key piece. Like if I start to notice that I'm grabbing for my phone unconsciously, I've witnessed that it's in the moments where I'm actually seeking to connect. So going to the beach, going to connect with a friend, going to like bring myself actually even really simply into your senses. Like, what do I see? What do I taste? What do I touch? What do I smell? Like, what do I hear? And actually bringing yourself into the present moment and taking a moment to just breathe with yourself and connect with yourself, even if there's nobody else around, can be really supportive in in that reminder of like, oh, I'm seeking outside of myself for somebody to to comfort me in some way or to, to feel that very, very, very like surface level illusion of, of connection that we experience on social media. Unless it's picking up to actually call a friend and say, hey, I just really wanted to, to drop in with you and connect with you because I love you and I want to know what's going on with you. Um, it is a continuous practice. Honestly, I've had moments here where I've loved being in Mexico with my English plan because it only works with Wi-Fi a lot of the time. So if I'm not in Wi-Fi, it ain't working, um, which is really supportive as well. I've got so many blockades on all of the apps. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. four knocks, like setting limits. As you're over here, like doing karate <laughs> with your hands. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... <laughs> To, um, <laughs> yeah, set all these timers and stuff on my apps because I realize it's not something that feeds me. It's a tool that I get to use to to share and support people as opposed to something like a, a mechanism or a crutch. So I think just bringing your awareness to how many times a day you pick up your phone. If you've got a really good friend that you spend a lot of time with or somebody you live with, like telling them to call you out on it. Cause a lot of the time you pick up for it completely unconsciously. So having somebody to call you out, Hey, you just reach for your phone again. Hey, you just reach mm -hmm. for your phone again. Hey, you just reach for your phone again. And you'll get really sick really quick <laughs> of how often you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very much like a moth to a flame. Mm 
except, you know, our flame is our phone. Let's talk about Tantra a little bit and like how I'm interested in how you define that. When, when I was working and researching for the biohackers guide to upgrade energy and focus, I was going to do a chapter on Tantra and I went and even studied with, um, a woman who a friend and client had introduced me to that was trained in it and, and different types of massage and, um, retention of climaxing and different breathing techniques. And then I decided it was too much to put in the book. And, um, and also my, my business partners, Mormon, and I didn't know how that was going to go over. Like <laughs> if all of a sudden I have this chapter on tantric sex and whatnot, and I never had sex with, with the woman or anything like that, but I'm curious, like, how do you define Tantra? Because I think a lot of people, especially people that have had transactional sex or just genital based sex as, as is popularized in pornography mm-hmm. m- might not even know that there's this other world that exists. Yeah. Okay. So this is a really big question. Um, so firstly, like not all Tantra is related to sex. So there's like traditional Tantra, which is a lot of mantra. It's a lot of puja. It's a lot of like breath work, a lot of um, asana. So it would look like Kundalini or different yogic practices. So mm-hmm. all of these different tools that generally the, the foundation is breath, sound, movement, intention, and attention, right? So there are all of these beautiful different devotional ways to essentially like unlock liberation. So all of the illusions that we've created around who we are, um, whether that be from childhood, whether it be learned experiences, whether it be through social conditioning, through life, we get to dissolve what is not true and come back to the truth of who we are through liberating ourselves, through connecting and remembering that interconnectedness with all of life. And so when we go into like more neo-tantra, which is where like the, the sexuality piece has come in, it's utilizing those those tools and the threads that have woven their way through traditional tantra. And it's been taken into applying it to sexuality because one of the places that we are the most inhibited and a lot of the conditioning around like our fullest liberation comes from our sexuality and actually not knowing the true power of our sexuality, not knowing the truth of actually the liberation that can come through connection. And so it's kind of like twofold pieces. There's like the, the, the neo-tantra, the, the sacred sexuality piece, but then there's also like traditional tantra and they are, different but the tools are similar but they've just been taken taken and created into something it was around the 1960s that neo-tantra started to really um to build momentum with like Osho and I, I know that that was some some interesting like PR and stuff on that but it was like Osho like the David Data um mm. like all of these these practices that have kind of come from traditional Mm -hmm. tantra, but it's different. So is it a part of your life? Um, so yes, it is. My practice has been through like personal practice and using tantric tools. I've studied, um, at the 
Institute of Phone and Art, but um, the, I tried, studied under Leila Martin with her um, sex, love, and relationship with the foundation of, of Tantra. So it's all, for me, been predominantly personal practice of utilizing sexuality, utilizing my sexual energy to really embody and empower myself. And there have been moments where I've brought this to partners, but this deepening of connection that I've cultivated within myself and even just in the the ways that we will orgasm, the muscles that will contract, the ways that we try to actually stop and clench and inhibit the life force energy, the, the sexual energy to flow through us. There's actually really interesting ways when you start tracking it that we actually try and avoid feeling the fullness of that experience. And so a lot of my practice is personal practice, pleasure practice to really open up those pathways for full body orgasm, for really utilizing that creative life force energy to nourish what it is that I need in that moment, to move through maybe big emotional blockages. If our sexual energy is one of the most powerful energies that's moving through us, then it can also bring up like deep, 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 deep stuff, like grief, like heartbreaking, heart-wrenching grief, sadness, tears, because it's energy that's moving through the body. And when you're unlocking all of these different pieces within you, it can bring up all sorts of emotions. And it's then like learning how to love whatever arises. Like that's truly, it's the loving acceptance of everything that arises and the embracing of everything that arises. And then I see within my personal practice, sexual energy is the amplifier of whatever is present within me. So I love using it as a tool. And I love also the devotional aspect when I have been in partnerships, being able to offer that fullness of expression that like making love like fully from the heart and in connection that deepens that loving experience. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. 
I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. Now, back to the show. You work with a number of women and helping them on this journey. I would imagine that it's quite common that that women reach a point, and not not all women, but they reach a point where maybe they haven't honored or prioritized their um, feelings of love and connectedness within themselves and their sexual pleasure, um, their sexuality, and transmuting that energy in, in other ways, you know, working through certain traumas or, or, or stuck, stagnated energy for someone listening, or maybe for your clients, like what are some of the, the basic starting places, you know, is it, is it carving time out once a week or once a day and creating a, a, an environment where you can engage in a pleasure practice? Are there specific tools that you recommend? Um, what, what was your journey like? Where did you have some breakthroughs in this area? So I really... I like to hit you with like 15 questions at once. No, I love it. Go. I'm like, okay, what do I start? Because I'm an ass. I'm also like, my brain goes to like 50 different places. And then I have these yeah. moments of like coming back, coming back into focus. Uh, yeah. um, it's good for us. Yeah. I'm like, I can tell you 10,000 different things in this moment. But... um. Give me all the things. <laughs> <laughs> so with my journey, I really found that exploring different archetypal expressions of my sexuality was really powerful. Wow. And I'm... I'll tell you for why. Because we have these illusions around what your orgasm should look like, what you should sound like when you're having sex, what your body should look like when you're having sex. There are all of these conditions as women that we've received from porn or maybe from partners, ways that we are acceptable when it comes to sex. And so for me, exploring different archetypes around, and when I say archetypes, like, the wild woman that's like an acting exercise where you put on a character and you like self-pleasure or you dance or you move or you express or you make love as that character and so like one of my favorite ones was like the wild woman like and not just like the sexy wild woman like the feral like wild woman 
months where I was living mm-hmm. in Costa Rica. Like I grew out all of my hair, my nails were like got really some dirt long. under your nails. Yeah, I was running around barefoot, running around naked. <laughs> like I didn't have to wear clothes. Like really, fully, truly in that wild woman expression, yeah. and I loved it. Like I loved it. It was so much fun, and I'm obviously not necessarily everybody can do that, but having a regular pleasure pleasure practice. Yes, because we're so used to associating sex as being for somebody else, especially as women, there's a conditioning around like sex equals like ejaculation. Like when sex is complete, we know because the man has ejaculated. And that's a lot of people's conditioning around what sex is. It's like, well, my job is to make him come. My job is to, you know my role in this. And I'm sure that there's, there's, um, there's the man's perspective as well, right? Like my, I, I've got to make her come. Like there's this focus on like making everyone come. Men are like, yeah, yeah. I, I, my job is to come. Yeah, my job is to come. <laughs> uh, I feel like there was something else, but I forget. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> the, the conditioning that we've received around like what sex is, that it's like penetration and there's a climax and then there's an end but actually that doesn't honor anybody's pleasure necessarily because it's rushing the process potentially if you're going for that goal it's also giving you a parameter that actually confines the experience because you're so goal focused Mm -hmm. and especially for women like for us environment generally is is important for a lot of women that I've witnessed so lighting candles and like feeling really beautiful and having maybe a bath and having essential oils or mm-hmm. like lighting incense, like really feeling in this space of luxuriating with your pleasure practice. So if you're setting a sacred space, maybe start like once a week, if you can take time just for yourself outside of your partnership to explore what feels good for me. Because again, a lot of, there's been a lot of shame as well with women around masturbation or like a lot of taboo, but actually how do you know how to guide a partner with what feels good to you or what you like, if you haven't even explored that within yourself yeah. and where the archetypal piece comes in and the playing with these different like characters or archetypes around sexuality, it's breaking down what you think you should show up like and you're actually getting to play and oh my gosh this feels really fun and you're also when you use it as an embodiment practice as well and you really allow yourself to give your whole voice your whole body to this exploration of your orgasmic nature of how orgasmic energy moves through you how you express it and how you surrender and release Mm -hmm. to that energy that's moving through you so that you can actually just allow for the expansion of that orgasmic feeling that isn't like that build, 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 build done. You can have loads of different types of orgasm where it's feeling like waves or like tingles throughout your whole body. It feels sometimes like it's bursting out of your heart. Sometimes it's like your entire body. There are so many different sensations that we experience especially as women during sex that we don't necessarily count as orgasmic but they Mm -hmm. actually are Mm -hmm. and so it's really 
taking that time, I recommend for every woman away from your partner to really just explore and luxuriate and follow like what feels good and practice feeling how your sexual energy wants to move through you, how it wants to be expressed. And when you do this, you may notice these little voices. Oh, I can't make that noise. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't like allowing yourself to lean into those edges of, okay, like if that's telling me I can't do that, why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. And how would it feel if I did that? I'm just going to do it. Fuck it. And like letting yourself meet those edges, which is where I love all of the embodiment tools and the outside of the pleasure, allowing yourself to be with the rage, be with the grief, be with the sadness, be with anything that arises because how different energies want to move through you, maybe that will need you to like shake, right? And be okay with this uncontrollable shaking. Maybe that comes mm-hmm. through in your orgasm, but if you've practiced like, oh, okay, this part of my body is actually trying to move this energy right now. So how can I support it with my movement? How can I actually Mm -hmm. support this and moving through me without the judgment of, Oh my gosh, I look crazy right now. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. You know, fill in the blank, whatever it is that can Mm -hmm. be such a judgment and resistance to just following what naturally feels good. And all of these explorations within self of like meeting continuing to meet what does my body need right now oh actually I just need to like move my hips get into like my neck and really like maybe I need to drop my jaw and stick my tongue out like breathing when you start to practice that yourself and allow yourself to really play and it can be playful and it's an exploration with all of these different expressions then you get more comfortable in bringing them to other people you get more comfortable you won't necessarily lock it down if that's what you need when you're lovemaking if you start shaking Mm -hmm. uncontrollably it won't be scary I had a client um whose partner was experiencing a lot of um sexual energy and like the, the uncontrollable shaking really scared him So when we play with these different practices that normalize energy moving through the body, then it becomes not scary and we can really soften and open into it and find the pleasure in it. Did you explore or have you explored different types of orgasms? You've mentioned like full body orgasms. And I think some of our listeners, you know, have probably heard of the, the, the clitoris or the G spot or certain types of, of, techniques where people can have squirting orgasms or anal orgasms. Like, was that a part of your exploration um, or not so much? Yeah, absolutely. Because as well, so we, where do I want to go with this? Yes, it was because I was seeking this unlocking of, of pleasure, this desire. Like I'd never really like sexually, I'd never really struggled with orgasm, but I was really curious as to like what else can be experienced. And so exploring with anal orgasms, squirting orgasms, cervical orgasms, energetic orgasms, like all of these, like full body orgasms and really feeling 
the fullness of the power that we actually hold as humans through unlocking our sexual energy. That's what's fascinating to me. And, and I see the disempowerment within men and women within what we are taught around sex and sexual energy. Porn, like the, the draining of seed earlier, you mentioned like semen retention, the, the desire behind that is because the man's power is in his seed. And when, the reason it can feel uncomfortable is because we're uncomfortable. We don't have these initiations, these rites of passage to feel the fullness of our power. The same with women. We feel uncomfortable being in the fullness of our radiance and power because maybe somewhere along the line we learned it wasn't safe. So we have all these mechanisms within our orgasm or like the contractions of the body that actually can limit that feeling of the fullness of that power. And so I was really curious with unlocking like, okay, cervical orgasm, like, what does that hold for me? And within each of the different tissues, within each of the different spots within us, that all each of the different, like, erogenous zones, the pleasure zones, physiologically, we can have a lot of trauma as well stored in those spaces. And so for me, there are different, like, archetypes or different, um, stories or different behaviors where it's maybe been in the shadow of the maiden like the clitoris that is is the representation of the maiden so it's like this free-spirited like like joyful just like wide-eyed wondered but also there's a lot of um like maybe there's some manipulation in that maybe there is like playing the victim in that so when I've been exploring my own body and these different zones within, I've noticed these different patterns arising, these different like narratives or like wounds or stories that have been held in the tissues within these spaces. Just like sometimes when you have a massage or you have like a really deep tissue massage, it can bring up like old thought patterns or like deep, deep, deep wounds maybe that you've experienced in your life just through working into the tissue you can experience the same within your sex centers and so exploring all of these different like portals to pleasure was was really powerful and really fascinating to to explore on multiple different levels because my desire for getting into the sexuality piece I see it as a tool for like expansion and depth like Mm -hmm. it's never just been like the surface of pleasure it's always been like how can I deepen in connection to myself how can I like expand into the cosmic abyss of orgasmic bliss how can Mm -hmm. I give like the fullness of myself to a partner when making love how can I give my fullest expression in an awful way to a partner? How can I access deeper realms of pleasure through really liberating the pieces that are telling me, hey, it's not safe or you're not okay to be this way? Yeah, there's there's a courage that comes with expanding and and becoming more vulnerable. Yeah. So... I'm sure you've had many powerful, incredible orgasmic experiences, mm-hmm. but I was curious if there was one that stands out in your mind and, and 
if so, <laughs> which one and why? <laughs> well, well, I oh my god, I got so many. Um, I actually was woken up at four o'clock this morning having an orgasm. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was this con a consensual experience? I mean, it was a really good dream. I think. Really. <laughs> it was a All really right. good dream. I woke up <laughs> and I was like, "Oh wow, okay. If I'm gonna be woken up, this will be." Yeah, this is, and that's happened a couple of times. So I, this time it was just a really good dream, but I've had like experiences with like partners, astral traveling and feeling, waking up, feeling their weight on top of me, feeling like essentially them inside me. There's no one physically there, but then I felt like all of these like orgasmic, like almost like fireworks, like running up through the center of my body and bursting out through my heart. Um, yeah, I've had like energetic orgasms from like feeling just from meditation, from like not even touching myself and feeling the presence of like this masculine, like caressing my neck and like feeling this energetic orgasm, like without touching myself, um, in like pleasure practices, I've had moments of feeling like I was being fucked by a stream of stars, um, beautiful moments with partners where it just feels like this merging into like one, this complete like dissolving into bliss and like without even any movement, but just like this beautiful like interconnectedness of like meeting and heart space and just merging into one lovely yeah i'm always really curious about the that like the cosmic like the astral i'm always really like oh okay like this can happen and this is what you you realize as well like when you connect to the truth of what orgasmic energy is and what sexual energy is you don't have to be do, like touching yourself you don't have to be having sex to experience that bliss that turn on that turn on for life that turn on for like how the breeze like, caresses your skin as you like walk down the beach how it feels to feel the warmth of the the sun on your skin like that deep presence in those moments you gain all of this like deep appreciation for because you've accessed the truth of what can feel orgasmic and the truth is like any sensation can feel orgasmic we're energetic beings having like this human experience so energetic orgasms like mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that it's the non-physical moments of that where you're experiencing something beyond the constraints of the human experience and you're like oh, holy shit that was cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. has there been a holy shit i didn't know that was possible experience and more specifically if if yes one that you've been able to teach other people to have so one of my favorite things to teach women has been sex magic and so well like alistair crowley stuff i think he wrote the book i uh, wrote a book called sex magic oh really yeah, the oh. Satanist. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I don't entirely know who he is, but I'm sure he's going to at some point. Um, yeah, yeah. 
He wrote a so, book called Sex. I haven't read it, but I've I've come across it. So teaching like sex magic practices, there's a lot of disclaimers that that come with this because I've I've done the sex magic with pure intentions. I've done the sex magic with intentions around specific men and it's backfired. So first disclaimer of sex mm. magic is make sure that it's not for something else. It's not for something outside of you. It's for you to ignite something within you. It's to empower something within you to align you to the frequency of maybe what you're calling in as opposed to being like, I want to like fuck myself for this amount of money or I want to fuck myself so that my ex comes back to me. Mm. From my personal experience, not a good idea. Um, a lot of karmic loops that can get entwined with that. So I really like to guide people into, okay, what are you, who are you becoming? Like what's your energetic frequency when you have the thing that you're desiring because you're not putting it outside of you you're coming back to what's within you and this sex magic practice is I believe it was Margot Anand who actually instigated this and she has a bunch of incredible books where she speaks of this practice but through running your sexual energy and feeling your sexual energy through each of your different like chakra systems, through each of the different chakras, and feeling the different qualities of your orgasmic energy, I've witnessed so many of my clients unlocking these full body orgasmic experiences through really breathing and cycling with this energy and getting familiar with all these different qualities and the raising of consciousness of that sexual energy from like the primal sacral like root that we're generally associating sexual energy with. And then you're exploring and embodying and feeling the higher expressions of it as you move it through the body. And yeah, the multi-orgasmic experiences that I've had clients feedback is always like so fun for me to to receive so that's probably the most fun so you're you're essentially like you're doing a type of cyclical breathing and allowing the energy to sort of for lack of a better term move up from the root chakra through the different energy centers and like sort of like what joe dispenza's got a bunch of people doing during meditation where they're like ascending the kundalini and yeah. uh, and and squeezing your perineum and then like sending that energy up or is it like am i missing is like what what would if someone wanted to practice this what would be a good starting place or like some basics 101 so, type stuff so you can do this in a self-pleasure practice or you can do it not in a self-pleasure practice and you're essentially breathing like the energy of the root. You're breathing, which is earth energy, it's primal energy. Um, breathing it up the spine to your, like breathing like a little circle, feeling the energy building and you can see it as a color, like the, you could go along the, the chakra system so it would be red. And feeling that energy building, if you're gonna use self-pleasure, and like cultivating sexual energy in that space. You can breathe that into that space. And then you're building that energy through the breath, through breathing it up in a tiny little circle up your spine 
and down again back to your cervix, your cervix being the root of that. And then you breathe a bigger circle. So then you breathe it up to your sacral and then down again, you would infuse it with the quality of water and start to explore like, okay, like how does my sexual energy express it creatively with the element of water? And you start to breathe that in circles again, like the cervix up the spine and you just continue to make your way up and up and up the body. And then the final piece would be the manifestation piece, mm-hmm. which I'm a little bit skeptical to actually, like, like, I don't want to send anybody out doing sex magic practices without, you have to make sure, because it's so powerful, you have to make sure that your intention with when you're doing this practice is pure. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done sex magics to get an ex to come back to me and then been like, oh shit, like now I'm opting in for another loop of this cycle. Like literally it's really, it is very powerful. Like I'll get a message straight after. Were you just thinking about me? Well, actually I just did a whole ritual about you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really powerful. And, and, and you don't want to fuck with that karma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It, it is very powerful. Like one of the guys on our team told me a year or two ago that um, him and his wife were having some marital difficulties and they just hadn't been connecting the way that they used to. And he was, he decided he was not going to watch any porn. Um, he would only masturbate thinking about his wife. Mm-hmm. No other women. Didn't tell her any of that. Yeah. And when he was orgasming or climaxing, he would also picture them having this deep, loving connection. Mm-hmm. And within a couple of weeks, everything was like better than it had been in a really long time. Yeah. And he's like, I changed it all by, he's like, I was like emotionally and energetically cheating on my wife yeah. and it was affecting our marriage 100%. And that's the thing, like whatever you're thinking about when you're coming to climax, when you're orgasming, it's sending out really fucking powerful signals for what it is that Mm -hmm. you're desiring. And so within the sacredity of sexuality, the energetic exchange of like the energy that you're being penetrated in, the energy that you are receiving from a partner, from a lover, like the energy, like what you're both thinking about when you're orgasming, like these are all hygiene pieces that aren't spoken about in sex ed. And it's a, Mm -hmm. we are energetic beings and we can feel energy. We can take on other people's energy. So it's really, it's really important to when you're coming into, and, and I can get why, there are so many like preaching around like you have to be like in love like no sex before marriage like because when you're when you're fucking somebody because like in the frequency of love there's so much that gets unlocked within that and I'm not just saying that you need to like physically be in love with that person but if you can unlock love within yourself and you can be in full presence and acceptance and loving when you're Mm -hmm. coming into lovemaking it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be in love but if you can 
show up in that energy for who you're sleeping with, then that's the biggest gift that you can offer to somebody and you're showing up in your highest in those moments. And that's, yeah, the energetics that we exchange, that we take on, that we, we give during sex. There's a lot of leaky energy that can really impact us that we don't even know about. Or even just taking energy, vampiric energy mm-hmm. that comes through during sex. Yeah. And a lot of times like people don't even know it until they're, it's, I mean, let's just be honest, guys do it more than women. Um, and, and a lot of times like women will be in an experience and, oh, he's way different than I expected. And he was mm-hmm. just here to take, you know? But um, then that's also that like, that pure primal expression, right? And for me mm-hmm. as a woman, mm-hmm. if I'm receiving a man in his pure primal expression and there's no mm-hmm. heart connection, I feel like I'm just being used to masturbate. Mm-hmm. If I am receiving a partner in his pure primal expression, because also like for me, I want to be able to like support him in liberating that piece because it's such a mm-hmm. powerful piece for a man to connect to, but there has to be that heart connection there Mm -hmm. to fully expand into that expression and there's also a vampiric element of women like when we're trained like we've got to make him come like if you're just fucking men to make them come and their seed their semen is their life force energy that's succubus energy that's vampiric as well but we don't even Mm. realize and Mm. what you're doing in those moments is you're also like what is the energy that i'm receiving like who is this person? Like what energy is he holding? What are his shadows? Like, how is he, what is his energy that he's penetrating me with? Because our wombs are also magnetic, right? Mm -hmm. Our wombs are magnetic. So they will pull the energy and sometimes hold the energy of previous lovers for up to like seven years. Mm -hmm. Masculine energy is electric. So it's like penetrating. And so I, believe that we have the technology within our bodies to transmute and to alchemize the density that we're receiving. And this is like what I believe to be like really high, high alchemical sex magic that would have been practiced in, in temples mm-hmm. in ancient times, like Egyptian alchemy. Like when you start to explore all the different sexual alchemies, mm-hmm. um, methods of sexual alchemy but i believe that we have the capacity to to alchemize this to transform and transmute it but we don't we've never been taught how to and so when mm-hmm. we're having sexual experiences from an unconscious place maybe we're drunk maybe we're high and so you're also receiving like those energies and entities when you're mm-hmm. in this space of sexual union and that is mm-hmm. also something i wish <laughs> that I had known in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Because, Me too. Yeah, it could, and you're all, both people, all people, if you're more than two people, like you're opening yourself up to a lot of different energies and frequencies. So it's really imperative, I believe, to, to know what you're working with and to actually mm-hmm. love and honor and trust yourself enough to take your time getting to mm-hmm. know the person that you're going to let into your body that you're actually going to come into this really deep space of intimacy with, because it's not just your body is merging. It's your entire org field. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. all your past, all your shadows, all your conditioning, all the shit that you're afraid to yeah. look at, you're willing to take somebody else's on in the act of love making. Right. I think if, and, and I don't know for certain if this is the case and, or if there's even any way to tell, but I think if we looked at the act of coming together sexually with someone as a sharing of not only all of that person's like past lovers, but also potentially all of the entities that were attached to that person and their past lovers, we'd be a little bit more selective with who we jump into bed with. Yeah. And, and, and especially like the, the, the spirits that we enjoy before doing so that may even weaken our spiritual defenses and open us up to that stuff. I don't know. I think I mean, we're all kind of figuring this out. <laughs> but this, like, this is like, this stuff fascinates me because being able to look at it without there necessarily being a story attached to it, like not necessarily getting stuck in, oh my gosh, X, Y, Z. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh my, taking everything as gospel. Mm-hmm. The invitation is, okay, I believe that we are infinitely powerful. And so there have to be ways that, we can biohack all of these pieces, right? There's a way to hack energy. There's a way to hack the technology of our bodies, not just the physical body, but our energetic bodies as well. And this is something that I believe has been lost, but we're regaining and we're remembering these technologies and how to access them and how to unlock them within the body and I really feel like utilization of your sexual energy and there are so many practices that I'm dying to to explore that have been forgotten perhaps to to really be curious around what the access of information that they actually had in ancient times ancient civilizations who knows it's very interesting yeah. Well, I've I've enjoyed this conversation very much. Lara, where where can people stay up to date on cool things you're working on or learn more about how to work with you? Um, I know you have an Instagram that's that's Lara Ray, at Lara Raybone, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that the best place for them to connect with you and reach out? Yeah, if you reach out to me on that, I'm in the middle of updating my website. So um, connect with me on Instagram and send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. I'd love to connect with you. Awesome. Well, I very much enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations. I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of 
powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. 